lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Welcome to Superhero T-Shirt Week. Decided to debut with the fastest man alive. Hope you had a great weekend. I'm Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, and Aaron McIntyre here. What, what a weekend this was. I mean, the, the amount of events and news, protests. I mean, we've got, uh, we've got a sport that we all love that hasn't, you know, that changes like once every hundred years has decided to completely, you know, uh, hit the, the nuclear um, winter button. I mean, this has been an absolutely crazy weekend. I don't know how Aaron is going to have a less than 19 minute montage. I cut about half. I'm not joking. I bet you did. I cut about half of it out. I mean, with the amount of stuff that is that went down over this weekend, this weekend was absolutely nuts. It was also very invigorating for me. Had a chance to go back to my old hometown where I grew up, Grand Rapids, Michigan. I did a couple of events there. And um, I mean, it was pretty humid. Michigan doesn't get typically this humid. But other than that, gorgeous summer weather. There's a ton to do in Michigan with all the golf courses, the beaches, everything else. And yet, um, all day long in a, uh, in a, in a, in a packed facility, they, ha- they were packed to the gills with people who sat and were mobilized all day long on election integrity. And I was one of the speakers at that event. And uh, then I spoke at a fundraising uh, banquet uh, that night for Stand Up Michigan about trying to figure out how to take Michigan's desperate, disparate, I should say, not desperate, uh, disparate uh, grassroots conservative patriotic groups and how do we get them to all work together uh, to get our, our state back. And just really encouraged by, if you can draw that kind of a crowd eight months after the election, on a summer day in Michigan, when there's a lot of stuff to do in that state, I think that speaks to the level of commitment. You know, we we talked last week about the crowd at the Family Leadership Summit. Uh, I, I noticed it about a month ago. I spoke in rural Iowa at a Republican County event. A couple hundred people show up there in early, you know, late June, early 1st of July. I mean, the energy level among our people is high, and that is good because I'm telling you right now, they're here, all right? COVID stand is has is is regrouping for a second assault. Now we're better armed, we're better informed, we're better mobilized than we were at any time last year. And that's good because you're going to need all of that because it's coming. All right? It's like Michael Myers, man. Just keeps coming. You got to keep putting him down over and over and over again. How many times? As long as it takes. They're coming. I'm sure that'll be a theme that we'll discuss in Aaron's montage here in a moment. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Check us out on MeWe, Parlor and Gab as well. If you're on any of our social media sites, I want to let you know um, I've got a link there that you want to read. It's to a study from Emory University, one of the top I think it's ranked in the top 25 of universities in America that basically shows um, natural immunity, which our public health officials keep wanting to pretend doesn't exist for, I'm sure, no good reason, that natural immunity still works. 
Uh, this is this is data and 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 that you're going to want to see. It's on all of my social media accounts right now. Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, Parler, Gab, you cannot miss it. Go there now, get that information, see that for yourself. Also, you can get clips of the show that you can share if you would like uh, that are uncensored, unfiltered. Those are available for free at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. All right, coming up on the program today uh, at the bottom of the hour, because it's back. COVID stand is trying, is, the COVID stand is trying to strike back, all right? So we're going to arm you with some of the data and some of the trends that you need to know and you need to see. Uh, that's coming up uh, in the next segment of the show. And then I haven't told Aaron this, so I'm going to tell him now. We're going to break that segment out into its own video on Rumble just so that part of the show can be uniquely shared today. All right, can we do that? Got it. All right. Um, so some data and trends you need to know and have it the ready because they're coming back. And it's probably no coincidence that it's on the it, it's in anticipation of the kids returning to school here in the next few weeks. All right? So be ready, okay? And we're going to do our best in the time we have to to get you ready. Forearmed is forewarned or is it forewarned is forearmed? I can't even remember. But either way, it works. Okay. Uh next hour we'll do our Monday Town Hall. It's our Facebook Ask Me Anything edition. Todd's got the questions from those of you that follow us on Facebook lined up. Of course, I've yet to see them. I will tell you my wife was actually looking at some of them yesterday. She did not tell me any of them. She got a chuckle out of quite a few of these questions. I heard her giggling about it uh, in the other room yesterday when we got back from uh, Michigan. So we'll have our Ask Me Anything next hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Upping the Ante. Daily Defiance is back. You remember we did this a few months ago. I encouraged each and every one of you in the audience to photograph or video yourself defying tyrannical COVID edicts, either from the public or private sector. Now we're raising the stakes. The spirit of the age is yet again marshalling its forces as we speak, whether it's on the growing specter of reinstated mask mandates, forced vaccination, in school or at work, or the ever-present racialist threat of critical race theory. For many weeks, we've discussed on this show how the real battle will be in your local schools and within the school boards. That's why, from here on in, I want video, not photographs, of you, yes you, either speaking with or engaging in debate or public comment on the myriad issues coming down the pike at your local schools. There's no reason every single person in this audience can't at least attend your local school board meeting, and often there are opportunities for public comment. Some of you may even be able to run for school board. So you know the drill by now. Send your videos only to dailydefiance1776 at gmail.com or on Twitter at DaceProducer or by using the hashtag DailyDefiance. And you could be featured on the montage. We'll begin this new season of Daily Defiance by heading to Michigan where Jim Stalker asked a series of questions to his school board related to critical race theory. Do you support separating children into groups of oppressed and oppressors? Do you intend for students and staff to view everything through the prism of race? Jim says in sending us this video, quote, I'm not a gifted speaker, but I made my point. Exactly. That's all you need. You don't have to be a gifted speaker. You don't have to bring the fire every single time. But you do need to show up and make your point. In case you needed any more of an impetus to do something like this, here's the rest of the montage. We'll start with Dr. Anthony Fauci, who, speaking with the New York Times about the troubling vaccine data coming out of Israel, says, quote, 
people are sort of raising their eyebrows a bit. Fauci went on Neil Cavuto's show on Fox News and said it may be time for vaccinated people to mask up again. So it's quite understandable, Neil, why local authorities are now saying, good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. Cavuto also asked him about the NIH funding of gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab. You know, it's more complicated than that, Neil. I don't, I don't know if we can explain it in, in the brief period of time we have. If you look at the research that was done, it was research that was highly recommended. On the topic of creating a segregated world, the aforementioned country of Israel, with their declining vaccine efficacy numbers, is instituting another lockdown starting August 8th, but only for those who are unvaccinated. If you think that's bad and would never happen in America, here's Alabama Republican Governor Kay Ivey over the weekend. What is it going to take to get people to get shots in arms? I don't know, you tell me. Folks supposed to have common sense. But it's time for to start blaming the unvaccinated folks, not the regular folks. It's the unvaccinated folks that are letting us down. Meanwhile, on MSNBC. I'm done worrying about what people think. I'm done worrying about is there going to be a firestorm, whether it's a mandated mask, whether it's a mandated vaccine. There's an idiot percentage of this population that just needs to be told what to do. The Pittsburgh Steelers announced recently they'll be requiring unvaccinated players to wear a yellow bracelet to apparently signify their uncleanliness. Learning German today, today's phrase is certainly the unvaccinated is also a man, but the flea is also an animal. The CDC issued a laboratory alert late last week regarding the PCR testing method for COVID-19. In the release, CDC announces it's withdrawing its request to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for the emergency use authorization of the real-time RT-PCR diagnostic panel, which is the testing method first introduced in February 2020 to detect the presence of coronavirus within patients. The release says, quote, CDC encourages laboratories to consider adoption of a multiplexed method that can facilitate detection and differentiation of SARS-CoV-2 and influenza viruses. Speaking of the FDA, last month it issued a recall for a fairly popular antigen rapid test because of outstanding risks of false test results. In some more encouraging COVID news, though, massive protests broke out all over the world Saturday of people displeased with their various governments' continued tyrannical edicts for coronavirus. The protests spanned from the UK to Italy to France, Ireland, and in Australia, turned violent as police beat the living daylights out of at least one protester. And finally, the greatest troll of the last year and a half comes to us courtesy of the land down under. Well, social media star John Bernard K. Ruse has been accurately predicting New South Wales's coronavirus case numbers for the past five days. The comedian has developed quite a following, showcasing the number online the night before its release to the public by the Premier. It was not John, but I have concluded that there will be 105 cases. Ah, well, I've got the same answer as well. So there you have it, guys. 105 new cases tomorrow. I'll see you then. John Bernard K. Ruse joins me live now. You're right, 105 cases today. You say it comes down to simple maths, but I need to know how are you really working this out? Yeah, it's five days on the trot. That's correct. And um, yesterday we had to factor in. It was quite a windy day, so we did factor in the wind um, in terms of trans, you know, transmissibility and uh, as I said, we've, I've said in previous interviews, it, it comes down to diameter of, of Fairfield, the circumference of southwest Sydney. Uh, you know, I, I take into account Sydney's population divided by the number of uh, trans, 
cases in the community at the moment that are already infectious. So um, there's, as I said, multi multi variables going into this, uh, you know, calculus type you know, equation and, and we, we try and put out the best number we can. There are others that are of the opinion that this probably shouldn't be a joke and left to the Premier and her counterparts every day. What do you say to them? Um, look, I can't help it. Um, it's just, you know, I went to a, a school uh, for the gifted. Um, you know, I boarded there for a number of years and uh, it was run by Professor Xavier and Hugh Jackman. So I'm just giving my gift to society and I hope that um, people are finding the numbers and uh, getting them a bit earlier is giving them um, you know, a, a new lease on how these numbers are given out. And that's what happened while we were away. That's beautiful. That it's, is absolute beauty is what that is. Fictional education. Actually, that's a winner yeah. for yes. me these days. Yep. Yes. Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by Home Title Lock. How much equity do you have in your home? 50,000, 100,000 more? Well, cybercrime experts are alerting homeowners that the more equity you have, the greater the chance foreign and domestic criminals will come after you. Home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes out there. In fact, a home title lock, America's leader in home title protection, is alerting homeowners that you could already be a victim and not yet know it. Here's how it goes down. First, cyber thieves search hundreds of public databases for high equity homes. Next, they pull your home's online title, forge your signature, stating you sold your home to them, and then they take out loans using your equity. Do not let this happen to you. All right, your bank, uh, your homeowner's insurance won't cover you, uh, but you can protect the most valuable asset you, ha you have, your own home, with Home Title Lock. Register your address now at HomeTitleLock.com. See if you're already a victim and receive a complete title history of your home. That's $100 value for free. $100 value for free to make sure your home's title is clean at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Uh, in the overtime today... I took a couple of Twitter polls of our audience on COVID vaccination. How many of you have received it? And then how many of you plan to? We're going to look at those results and discuss them today in the overtime. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, just stick around. Uh, we will be posting that for you later today. We'll record it for you after today's show. And then it will be uploaded and posted for you to watch exclusively just for you at blazetv.com slash dace. That's D-E-A-C-E. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, though, and you would like to become one, that's also where you can go later today in order to watch today's overtime and all of the other exclusive content we do each day here at Blaze TV. That's blazetv.com slash dace. All right, let's go to Aaron's montage now. And, and there's a couple of things, I mean, I, I want to highlight like everything in this montage. And as Aaron and I were discussing before it began, I mean, this thing could have been a good 10 minutes longer with everything that's going on right now. But a couple of things I want to highlight. I want to start with the PCR testing. So I had a conversation yesterday while flying home with our friend Kyle Lamb, who works with Governor DeSantis. And remember, I mean, Kyle got that job because he showed quite a prodigious ability to acquire and analyze data when it came to COVID. That's how he got on Governor DeSantis's radar. All right. I'm just going to share with you what he said to me, said to me about this story that he thinks we're getting wrong. Okay. Um, he says, I read the notice that went out. And then just to be sure, I spoke to a source who would absolutely know this has nothing to do 
with the test picking up the flu. That is not what happened, and that's not why they put out this notice. They anticipate the flu will return this fall, so they want manufacturers to focus on uh, multivariable uh, testing for efficiency. They had some multivariable testing in public health labs this past year. Those were not finding many flu cases either. It wasn't for a lack of looking. They just weren't there. But they want more multi-capable testing in service this year uh, because they're anticipating the flu to return and they're trying to encourage people to be uh, prepared for that, uh, for usage this flu season. All right. Now, here's why I have not taken down, though, my read of the story. I first read this story from foxnews.com. It was shared with me Sunday morning before I got on the plane. Uh, Here's why I've not taken it down. If you read the Fox News story, okay, um, it doesn't even contain a hint of Kyle's explanation. Not even a hint of it, if you read the story. In fact, it, it pretty clearly at least implies. Like the story could say, and the CDC is doing this because they anticipate a stronger flu season this year and then they could just end right but that's not what the story does the story actually points out how minuscule our flu numbers were last year it's clearly at least attempting to imply there is a connection there and there's nothing official from the cdc that says otherwise it also never mentions because even if kyle's explanation is accurate I believe this is what Kyle was told. I've gotten to know him well enough to know that, trust me, he's not running um, to play human shield for CDC guys. True. Okay? All right. Um, So I even trust that working in the governor's office, this is the explanation that they were given from on high, from public health people. I'm, I'm confident that's the explanation they were given. I am not confident it is an accurate explanation. Those are two different things. Meaning it could be the explanation they were given, but it isn't the real explanation. Or, you know, in politics, there's the, there's the right reason we do things, and then there is, and there's the real one, okay? Because you still then have to come up with an explanation. Now, let, let's say Kyle, what the explanation Kyle and Governor DeSantis's office was given is true. Let's say that it is not just what they were told, which I believe it was, but that is also accurate. It's true. Okay. You still have to then go back and back time an explanation for us on where the flu went all of last year. Right? Where did it go? Now, Kyle has an explanation for that. Because he saw the same, the same pattern in Sweden, which didn't do lockdowns and everything. 9% mass compliance. So it's a control group compared to the rest of the world. The same pattern exists everywhere else. Because one of the things you're told by the by COVID stand is that masks made the flu go away. But then why did they make COVID go away? It, 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 so we have a control group in Sweden. Sweden has this, had the same issue. The flu disappeared there too. RSV viruses disappeared there too. And what what Kyle's explanation is, which I think has a lot of likelihood, is what's called viral interference, or the idea, try to, let me try to simplify this just so I can understand it, let alone communicate it to the rest of you. But essentially, it's the idea that an outbreak that has the least amount of built-in immunity 
is that called dry timber or fresh timber? How does that, how's that referred to? Timber, dry timber. Dry timber. Okay, one of those timbers. Okay. The, the virus that has the least amount of built-in immunity is going to take precedence because our immune systems are combined the weakest against it. Is that right? Something? I think something that, along least, those lines. Is that at least close it's enough for those yep. of us that went to mm-hmm. public school? Yeah. Okay. And so... He has an explanation for that. Pardon me, I got to take a Marco Rubio here from brushing my teeth too late. Ah, thank you. All right. Um, he he has a back timed explanation for other than they just combined flu tests with COVID because this existed all over the world. All right. Um, but we have we heard that from the public health people. No. No. Instead, a lot, in fact, a lot of them are going with a lie that your mask got rid of the flu, okay? So I'm totally fine with Kyle taking this line of thought because it's consistent with what he has been saying all along. It would be completely inconsistent from what the public health people have told us all along, however. And so again, I, I'm not letting him have it both ways. If they want to admit viral interference and seasonality, seasonality exists... Because we'd have to also apply seasonality to this. That COVID largely rages at the same time that these other outbreaks, respiratory outbreaks rage seasonally, and it takes precedence over them as the superior strain, okay? The problem is, if we admit things like viral interference and seasonality, it, it blows up almost the entire COVID stand narrative. That, this is why they keep trying to have all these fallacies and have it both ways. Because admitting really any real science at all blows up the narrative of their of, of whatever the other motivations are for why they're doing what they're doing. So this is perfectly consistent with Kyle's reasoning for the last year and a half. It's totally inconsistent with the reasoning we've been fed from CDC under now two different presidencies for the last year and a half. So I'm not granting them that accommodation. I'm not. Good. I'm going to complete I'm going to continue with the read that what they're essentially saying is that they're testing processes, if not the test themselves. Because see, your, your test is a process, right? When you, when you do a PCR test, they send it to a molecular lab. It takes, depending on what state you're in, two to five days to get a result. So that's, there's, it, it, there's, a, there's like a lot of you, for example, I, I've remarked that um, I can't get a T-cell test done here in Iowa. And so you guys have sent me all these links to these national companies where I can, I, they can send me a T-cell test for like 300 bucks, okay? I can't, can I process a T-cell immunity test on my own? No. No. So even if I wanted to pay the 300 bucks for the test, I've got to find a lab here in Iowa that will then process this for me, right? So, or I've got to find a lab somewhere outside of Iowa that would process this for me. Your lab, your test isn't an event in and of itself. It's part of a diagnostic process. It's the key part but it is neither the beginning nor the end of it. It's just, it's just the main action that has to be taken. But it, but it still has to be interpreted. It has to be analyzed. Your sample does. So unless our public health officials want to admit that viral interference and seasonality exist the way Kyle has for the last year plus in this data, unless they want to come forward now and finally admit this, I'm not taking back my interpretation of this story at all, that it is a tacit admission from them that they were just lumping flu and COVID cases together with their testing process, period. I'm not letting you have it both ways. I am not. 
I'll let you have it one way. Or I'll let you have it both ways if you're consistent on both ends of the argument as Kyle is. But I will not let you shove your fallacies down my throat. Not on this show, I won't. So until someone in public health comes forward and admits seasonality and viral interference are a thing, and therefore we have to start looking at real time. See, one of the things I posited on this show for months, I think I said it on this show many times and on social media, that the reason I thought they might be ignoring natural immunity is it's a tacit or implied admission the virus is not a natural phenomenon, right? I think we had those conversations, didn't we? Because then we don't know really how much of our laws of immunology, our natural precedents may still apply to something that could be fashioned as a bioweapon or is just something like my theory that I aired on Friday, which is I believe the origin of coronavirus is it actually stems from their attempts to come up with preemptive vaccinations to SARS and MERS viruses. And that's why it mutates so fast. Um, and, and the vaccines don't hold efficacy against the, 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 the further it, 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 it mutates because in and of itself, it is, it is the alpha mutation. It's the original mutation of their entire testing and, and experimentation and vaccination process. Meaning it's, it's the byproduct. It's the original. They created it originally. That's my theory. That's what I believe is going on here. Or my hypothesis, okay? But we have too much real-time data now, including the Emory University study that I cited for you that's on all my social pages. You can get that right now. We have too much real-time data now that shows, by and large, behaviorally, the virus actually does behave within the pre-existing laws of virology and immunology. So does that prove, therefore, it's a natural phenomenon? No, it just only proves that it's not, it cannot overcome God's natural laws. That's all that it proves one way or the other. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Too much natural, too much data now to show that it is, in in, in fact, the, the data shows it's more beholden to natural immunity. Go ask Israel. So that's why I've not. T- deleted that tweet. That's why I've not corrected the record. I've in, in fact, I even I've, I've, I've asked Kyle, hey, when you have some time, by all means, put this out in tw- on Twitter in response to my explanation or my thoughts on this, so people can see yours, and I'll make sure they see it. I will share it. But I'm not I'm not giving people that are trying to lie to me and screw me. I'm not giving them any favor or benefit of the doubt anymore. They're now going to have to take initiative with me to come forward and admit things that I know are true before I extend any more benefit of the doubt. So you will either come forward and admit seasonality and viral interference exist. Therefore, the virus has some form of natural subservience to the laws of immunology and virology that we already knew, which is what Scott Atlas was saying on our show all of last year. Either you guys come forward and admit this, or screw you then. You lied to us about what the PCR tests say. One or the other. Choose one. But I will not give you both. Nope. One other thing I want to mention here. It's it's seldom that something like really, truly gets me like emotionally down when I see it in this business. I'm just, I'm too stubborn, frankly, on one end. And then I just do this every day that you almost get, you know, was it calcified, I think is the word, right? Yeah. When I saw the video Saturday afternoon of Prime Minister Bennett in Israel, first religiously observant Jew to be the Prime Minister of modern Israel, so since 1948, when I saw him essentially 
if it, it, do a speech. It, 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 you know, our buddy Daniel Horowitz tweeted out, I liked this speech better in the original Sherman. Um, if I just took that speech and took out the words COVID and put in the, and put in place the word Jewry and didn't tell you who it was from. And I said it was from a public health official or some government or political official in Germany in the 1930s Would the rest of the script completely and totally fit. Yeah. Yeah, it would. You know, you would think he'd be upset at Pfizer. They exclusively used the Pfizer vaccine. They're the second most, as you'll see in a little bit, they're the second most vaccinated country in the world. And the Pfizer vaccine is failing them now in real time. Even Fauci in the New York Times is acknowledging it on some level because the data is so bad. You'd think he'd be mad at Pfizer. Instead, he turns on his own people. If you're an Israeli, you're more in danger from the COVID stand in your own government right now than the Islamo stand that borders you on all these other countries. Because your military will go and bomb them. Who's protecting you from the COVID stand in your own government right now? If there was ever a nation on earth you would think would have some level of self-awareness to know what happens when we use public health and total subservience to the state as a rationale for creating a segregated apartheid society. If there was any nation on earth that you would think would have it in them to know, in their own DNA to know what a bad precedent that is and where that story goes, you would think it would be Israel. next week's a big week for our friends over at Built Bar. I think next week, isn't it, Todd, when the track and field gets going uh, in the Olympics? Is it next week? Yes, it okay. is. And uh, they're now the uh, the official sponsor of the U.S. Olympic track and field team that who knows if we can hang on to this country until uh, that long. Uh, one Ainsley Erzin may one day indeed get to be a part of, given her current exploits. Uh, they also should be very proud of their lemon almond uh uh, what is it? Lemon almond. I forgot. Lemon almond something. Um, cheesecake. Thank you. See, Lemon almond cheesecake. I just had it. All right. I Holy need one. cow. I'll bring you in one tomorrow. I need text one. me. This text is... me in the morning. I'll make sure I bring you in okay. one tomorrow. Because, dude, you're going to like this. If you liked the birthday cake, I know I you liked it a lot. To, I needed to know if they nailed that one. Yeah. But I need I mean, this, to enjoy the yeah, cheesecake. This is really, really well done. Uh, and that's one of the the specialty flavors they come up with every couple weeks that you want to get a get a hold of and get on their mailing list. And hey, it's not like the the everyday assortment box they put out there with uh, chocolate-covered coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie. It's not like those are chicken feed. I mean, those are the things that got me hooked on, on Built Bar to begin with before they even started doing these specialty flavors all right it is the best protein bar you've ever had no close second easy on the tummy that's a big thing all right particularly as we get older uh with all the food allergies and everything that are out there right now uh with all the processed foods and meats and everything that we're eating all right so you don't have to worry about that uh and you're talking 150 60 calories at the most man most of these are 130 calories up to 20 grams of protein up to you know four to six or seven that's it net carbs or grams of sugar you cannot beat it i promise you give it a shot right now 15 percent off when you use my last name dace as your promo code promo code dace d-e-a-c-e when you go to built for built bar b-u-i-l-t built.com again that is built.com all right folks it is very clear 
uh, over the events of the last 72 hours that COVID Stan is regrouping for another assault. And I think that there are two very specific reasons for this, and Delta variant has nothing to do with either one of them. That's the lie. Uh, the first is that our children go back to school here in a few weeks. Then the second is that their polling numbers and approval numbers continue to deteriorate. So they think they're running short on time. Now, thankfully, they say in our first rodeo, it took us about a full year last year to get our full bearings on what they were trying to do to us. And you saw, beginning in January of this year, we successfully pushed them back to the point that the masks basically disappeared in most of America. But we told you, we're winning, but we haven't won. We're on offense, but the war is not over. It ain't over until they're out of soldiers or they sign unconditional surrendered papers in, on the deck of the USS Missouri in Tokyo Bay. Amen? It ain't over until then. So don't quit. Don't give up. They'll be back. They're back now. So that's why we think it is imperative for us to update you with the actual data. Most of this, you're never or haven't been told. When I spoke yesterday at that event in Michigan, hundreds of people packed to the gills for seven hours on a July Saturday when there is so much more you could be doing in Michigan that's a lot more fun than this. So you don't get more committed and informed in a group like that, right? Right. When I shared some of this data with them, when I got done, I asked them, raise your hand if you've never heard any of this before. Almost every hand in the room went up. So if that was from that group in there, how about the rest of the American population as a whole, right? There's a reason why the prophet says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. So for the next few minutes, we're going to drop some knowledge on you. Let us begin. Here's what you need to see. This is vaccination rate ranked by state. This is according to our own CDC data through July 24th. And I'll go through each state verbally for those of you that are just listening to the podcast. Vermont leads with 67.1%. Massachusetts, 63.6%. Maine, 63%. Connecticut, 62.6%. Rhode Island, 60.8%. Maryland, 58.1%. New Hampshire, 57.9%. New Jersey, 57.4%. Washington State, 56.9%. New Mexico, 56.5%. New York, 56.3%. Here's why these percentages are important as I get now into more blue states where the vaccination rates are also dropping. You're being told it's only a certain segment of the population that is resistant to this. That is not true. All right? And you're starting to see this now. Only 56% of New York is vaccinated. All right? 55% is vaccinated in Oregon. In Washington, D.C., only 54.1% are vaccinated. In Virginia, it's 538 in Colorado, it's 53.8. In Minnesota, 53.3. Hawaii, which has been one of the worst lockdown states in the country, only 53.1% of people in Hawaii are vaccinated. California, the Valhalla of American spirit of the ageism, only 52% of Californians are vaccinated. Is 48% of California Republican guys, do you think? No. No, no guys. 
Just okay. to be clear, when you're counting people, are you counting children under the age of 18? No, I'm counting the entire vaccination rate by CDC. Okay. Everybody. That, that's just, CDC just gives a total vaccination rate, does not differentiate on a national level by age. On a public health department level, you can get that. Okay. But, but this is just the national amount of people vaccinated in every state. In Delaware, Joe Biden's home state, only 52% are vaccinated. Pennsylvania, 51.6. Wisconsin, 51.3. All right. Iowa, where we live, 49.2. Michigan, 48.4. Florida, 48. Illinois, 47.9. South Dakota, 46.5. Ohio, 46%. Alaska, 45.1. Kentucky, 44.9. Arizona, 44.7. Utah, 44.2. Montana, 43.9. Indiana, 43.7. Nevada, 43.6, Kansas 43.2, as well as North Carolina, same rate. Texas 43.1, Missouri 40.5, South Carolina 40.1, North Dakota and Oklahoma 39.7, West Virginia 38.9, Tennessee 38.6, Georgia 38, Idaho 37, Louisiana 36.4, Wyoming 36.2, Arkansas, 35.6. Mississippi, 34.2. Alabama, 33.9. Not a single state Trump won has reached 50% vaccination by the Trump vaccination program. But a bunch of states that Trump lost couldn't wait to get vaccinated by the program started by our first Nazi president or something. Um, Finally, I was going to actually then compare this vaccination data with our current COVID death numbers in July, except our current COVID death numbers in July are so low regardless of vaccination status that it just, it, it, was, a, it was an irrelevant statistic. And I'll share that number with you here in just a little bit. Now let's look globally. Fully vaccinated rates ranked by country. Now here's why I went with full vaccination because not every country tells us if it's single or full uh, or tells us if they count their statistics Meaning if you're single vaccinated and you have a breakthrough case, is that counted as you're unvaccinated or vaccinated? A lot of these countries don't tell us that. In our country, if you only have a single dose of Pfizer and you have a breakthrough case, they count you as unvaccinated. That's how it works here in the U.S. All right. The rest of these countries, we don't know. That's why I just went with the metric of full vaccination. Fair? Okay. Okay. The number one most vaccinated country in the world is actually the United Arab Emirates 68.4%. Israel is second at 61.1%. Canada, 54.7%. The UK, 54.4%. Spain, 54.3%. Belgium, Singapore, Denmark, all, there you can see, just above 50%. Germany, you kept being told we had to be more like Germany. Germany can't even get to 50% vaccination, 48.7. Same rate the United States has. The Netherlands at 48.4. Italy at 47.9. Greece, 46.8. Switzerland, 45.8. Poland, 44.6. France, where they had massive protests this weekend, 44.1. Sweden, only 39% of the population fully vaccinated. Uh, Norway, 31.9. Hong Kong, 29.4. Turkey, 26.8. Japan, now in an emergency order with COVID. Only 23.2% of the population fully vaccinated. Uh, Mexico, where we don't, where we have an open border. Only 18.3% of the population fully vaccinated. That, that's a great idea to have an open border with them, don't you think? Saudi Arabia, 16.9. Brazil, 
17.9, so out of order, my bad. Uh, Russia, 15.6. South Korea, you'd think they would be very, very paranoid about this. 13.7. Argentina, 13.1. New Zealand and Australia, where they have some of the worst lockdowns ongoing in the world. Only 12.8% of Australians and 13% of New Zealanders are fully vaccinated. Peru, which had one of the worst lockdowns in the world, only 12.3%. India, where the Delta variant originated. Remember, it was originally the Indian variant. 6.7% of the population vaccinated. That is it. And they have kicked the Delta variant's ass, by the way. Uh, Thailand, 5.2%. The Philippines, 5.1%. Egypt, just 1.4%. And Taiwan, first country to open last year after uh, COVID lockdowns, 0.9% of the population is vaccinated. So so this idea that we trail the rest of the world, just not true. We're actually one of the leaders in the world uh, in COVID vaccinations. New data, another data point that you need to know. We are now 11 days and counting with zero COVID deaths in Sweden, a population of 10.2 million with the lowest mask compliance in the European Union, just 9%. And that should actually be 39% fully vaccinated. So only 39% fully vaccinated, 9% mass compliance. Sweden, 10.2 million people, has not recorded a single COVID death in the last 11 days. That's clearly a win for natural immunity playing itself out in real time. What about here at home? July 24th was the 108th consecutive day. The United States was under 1,000 daily deaths with COVID and the 44th consecutive day we were under 500 in a nation of 329 million people. Last July, we credited over 31,000 deaths with COVID in America. We may not hit 10,000 this month. If I had to guess, we will, but it's going to be close. Does that seem like a trend line that calls for, we might have to, we might have to even mass vaccinated because we want people to get vaccinated. So let's go ahead and, and message, message them again that you can't have your life back even if you get the, the experimental jab. 329 million people were, aver- were averaging less than 500 deaths a day for 44 consecutive days. And that is a cause for a panic? Not if it's about public health, it's not. If it's about something else, it is. All right, next. UK and Israel are two places. This is from our friend Kyle Lamb again. Most often mentioned for common distinctions of both being heavily vaccinated and prevalent Delta transmission. The UK has a 0.1% case fatality rate. In the past 10 weeks, Israel is is just 0.2 or 0.3, I'm sorry. You can see in both situations, deaths have been decoupled from cases. So here you can see that while they are struggling with breakthrough cases, despite vaccination status in those two countries, you are still seeing the death line is decoupled from the rising cases in both of those countries. And given the fact they were two of the worst lockdown countries, if we're going to be intellectually honest, I don't think we can fully credit natural immunity or maybe even majority credit natural immunity in those cases on some level. The vaccines get some level of credit. We can debate what level it is, given the current trend line in in Israel especially, but we we cannot absolve them from all credit. They clearly get some, given those trend lines. Then I want to share this with you. 
According to CDC, this is the CDC data now, 331 minors under the age of 18 have died with COVID so far in America. But 41 minors under 18 have died after receiving the COVID vaccine. Doesn't mean they died from the vaccine, just they died after receiving it. To put that into perspective, if you're wondering, do I, should I fight before I inject my kids with these to go back to school or go to college or enjoy life? You want to know the risk, to, the risk ratio, right? So here's the numerator and denominator you need to know. That's 331 COVID deaths of minors out of 626,000 COVID deaths overall. However, that's 41 deaths of minors after receiving the vaccine out of 6,000 deaths following COVID vaccination overall. So for me as a parent, absolutely, the risk is far heavier weighed on the vaccine, injecting my kid with that vaccine, than having them relegated or exposed to COVID, given those numbers right there. Now, the risk is pretty remote overall, period. But it's a lot less it's a, it's a lot less remote when we get when we get to the vaccination numbers. 41 out of 6000 is a lot less remote than uh, 331 out of 626,000. And then finally, the number of infected with COVID in the United States has been in decline since January 31st when we hit our peak. Even the current quote-unquote spike from the, from the Delta variant from India represents only 44% of the people we had infected back on January the 31st. Daily deaths with COVID in the United States have dropped 89% since that date. There is no trend line worthy of this level of panic. All this data I've shown you proves it. Therefore, this is not about COVID. It's about something else as it so often has been for the last year and a half. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, everything you said is why uh, the powers that be uh, that are con- have been governing the darkness sold our country for so long are now trying to shove down your throat the 99% of all uh, deaths are coming from the unvaccinated community. And I know uh, you referred to something that Alex Berenson reported yes. on that number. Yes. That's why they're doing that. Yeah, the numbers are probably closer to like 10 or 15%, oh, which is just, still outstanding efficacy for the vaccines. But but that, but apparently, you know, just telling you the truth that, that they might prevent 85% of deaths isn't good enough. So it's, it's, it, because again, it's not about public health. If it was, they'd be, they'd be ecstatic that it's only about 10 to 15%. But no since it's about power or something else, then it's, 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 it's almost all of them. It's like every single one. They're banking on the fact that you'll remain ignorant, that you won't know this stuff. You'll either not find it yourself or no one will share it with you. Well, you can say a lot of things about this program, but one thing you can't say is you're going to come away with it, come away from it, ignorant. We're going to tell you the truth. Hour two is next.
Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre, all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email us. D-E-A-C-E. That's how you spell the last name. Uh, like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Check us out there. Also follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Don't forget you can find clips of this program uncensored, unfiltered for free, including later today. The last segment we just did laying out all the recent COVID and and, and COVID vaccine data trends all over, not just the country, but the world here. None of it, none of the actual data justifies any of the rhetoric you're hearing right now. Therefore, understand what this means. COVID stand is gearing up to try to strike back. All right, be ready. We've armed you with the data to push back when the pressure starts being applied to your local and state officials. If you want to make sure you get that clip, it'll be posted for you just by itself. But all the other stuff that we post uh, from the show every day is here as well. Rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Again, that is Rumble.com slash Steve, Day, Steve Day's Show. You know, if, are you ready for the next big crisis? When I see things like the prime minister of Israel turn on his own people to essentially implement a 1930s German-style public health segregated apartheid system. Because apparently the fact that the Pfizer vaccine is failing in his country in real time is somehow the fault of the unvaccinated and not the people who made those promises via the Pfizer vaccine. When you see things like that, man, know the signs of the times. I think you at least need to consider if this isn't some kind of eschatological event that we're living in in our time, and we wouldn't be the first generation of humans that lived through cataclysmic or controversial things and and made those assumptions. Sooner or later... One of those generations is going to be right, okay? But so far, they've all been wrong. But at the very least, I think we should have on the table that Western civilization is at stake. Our way of life could collapse. It could happen right before our very eyes. In fact, it may even be happening right now. That's why you better be prepared for whatever happens. Get prepared ahead of time. Uh, And that's one way you can do that is by stockpiling emergency food from our friends at My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest, I'm sorry, original Patriot preparedness company. Uh, Their food stays fresh for up to 25 years with proper storage. So you never have to go hungry or worried about food lines if it could never happen here, happens here. All right. They've got over 13 years of experience. And in those 13 years, over 41,000 four and five star reviews from satisfied customers and we've got you right now a special deal from them 25 percent off their popular four-week food kit that gives you 2,000 plus calories a day 25 percent off with that kit if you go to preparewithdace.com that's preparewithdace.com d-e-a-c-e for preparewithdace.com all right let's get to it it's our monday town hall we haven't done one of these ask me anything's with our followers over at facebook for a while so we solicited your questions i have seen none of them todd you perused through i'm i'm told there were like hundreds of them there oh yes yeah so that's good you perused through the list and came up with the ones that uh, you thought would be interesting to 
to blindside me with uh, Texas, Oklahoma style and get me to answer here live on the show. Aaron has the questions. Is there a theme or anything I at least should be on the lookout for? Is it a, is it a cornucopia? Is it a menagerie of topics? Oh, it's all over the place and there's always new people coming into the fold. So uh, don't, if you're asking questions, some of which we've covered relatively recently, you know, don't be offended. There's a lot to get through, but there is a question involved. There's a, uh, that is symptomatic of at least a handful. People are very interested in, I'm Catholic, you're Calvinist. Why aren't I you and why aren't you me? It's Really interesting. All right. Let's get to it. Aaron. This first one is interesting. In my opinion, Lynn Valdi says, tapping into the idea of the multiverse from Loki, what single moment in American history would cause the largest deviant from our current experience if it had gone through the opposite direction? Examples, the North losing Gettysburg, the Allies losing D-Day, JFK never being assassinated, etc. All right, leave, the, leave her list up there. I want to go through her examples first, okay? I, I don't, I mean, I, I, history certainly would have been changed if JFK was never assassinated, but I don't view that, if we're going to use the Loki terminology, let's say I don't view that as a nexus level event, okay? That's a tragedy. It, it, it's a historically, it changed the trajectory of history, but I don't think it was a nexus level event, okay? Um, the Allies losing on D-Day, that's a nexus level event. Lose on D-Day, and the, the planet is lost. So I think that would qualify for sure. Uh, the North losing at Gettysburg, or in general, would that have been a Nexus-level event? I think that's pretty obvious that it would have been. At, at the very least, it would have been a Nexus-level event for some segments of the population, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, So I think that certainly qualifies, right? Okay, We could come up with several others. Let me give you one that is rarely discussed, but I have wondered about, just as a history buff myself, okay? What if the United States never gets into World War I? I mean, what was World War I really fought about? Bunch of families. Bunch of Habsburg dynasty yeah. clans fighting over a European carcass and... European hegemony, dominance, correct? Yes. The, the, the difference, it was the cultural differences. In fact, if you guys ever looked at like early movies of what Berlin looked like in like 1914, 1911, you know, some of the earliest motion pictures we have, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks like almost a scene out of like an H.G. Wells novel. With like public transit. And, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was, you know, on a cultural level, if, if, uh, if, if the Kaiser and Bismarckians had won World War I, would, would that have really changed anything? Really? All that much? No. But since they lost it, what did that set the stage for? World War II. Yeah. And then ultimately, World War II set the stage for this for a Soviet ascendancy that came afterwards, right? Right. As they pushed the Nazis back from Stalingrad, back all the way to East Berlin, they just replaced the Iron Cross with hammers and sickles the whole way there and created, so we went from a Third Reich to an Iron Curtain. We just went, went from one form of totalitarianism to the other on, in Europe, right? Right. What if the United States had just simply said, not my bag, man. 
not worth it to us, really. Like, in fact, here's another tentacle that comes out of World War I that is rarely mentioned. Do you remember the Allied nations in World War I? They had a certain member had fought what we kind of view as a kind of a obscure war with the Russians for like 10 minutes. I think it was in 1905. And then they uh, they committed a certain act on December 7th, 1941. You know who I'm talking about? The Japanese. Japanese were one of the allies in World War I. That dramatically raised their standing as a coming power in the Pacific Rim. How'd that, how'd that pay off for us? I mean, tell me, tell me what we got out of world, winning World War I. What did we get? Now, I might have a different answer if this was 1928. But um, um, I also don't know what's going to happen the following October of 1929. My way of life is about to crash, right? Okay, so if, if I'm in the middle of the Calvin Coolidge presidency, and you guys know I'm a fan, like a lot of people on the right are of the Coolidge presidency. If I'm in the middle of the Calvin Coolidge presidency, maybe I have a different perspective, but I'm not. This is 100 years later. A hundred years later, knowing what we know now, was the juice worth the squeeze? Was it worth the squeeze to send Blackjack Pershing in the U.S. over there to push the Kaisers and the Prussians back and to free the Marne? Was it worth it? Like, I'm asking. I think that's a that I think that is an underrated event. Way too much. The, the 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 blowback of lose of winning that the modern forms of warfare that came out of that the phrase weapon of mass destruction came out of that i don't know from a us perspective again if we're just looking at us history that right that was her question yep okay i i could argue that post civil war Other than the U.S. and the Allies losing on D-Day. Although if I'm right, there isn't a D-Day. Right? If I'm right, there's not a D-Day. Correct? Right. Mm -hmm. There's not a need for one. So, I mean, Hitler remains a failed painter. College flunk out. I mean, I, I don't know what, what good, what lasting good came out of World War I. What would we get for it? It just set the stage for everything more terrible to come the rest of the 20th century. It wasn't the war to end all wars. It ended up being a gateway drug. So I would add the U.S. never entering World War I as a, as a nexus level event and how that might have gone and played itself out differently. And then even later on, let's say some of you may say, well, if we had never entered and now, now you have the Kaiser Prussian influence all throughout Europe now, and they're not going to be satisfied with that. And so they're going to want to extend German influence and hegemony. Okay, I could buy that. I'm a total depravity kind of guy. But on an existential level, could that, have, could that rivalry and conflict look more like what the U.S. and China have now, for example? Meaning that our, the reality is, folks, 
we're implementing a social credit system that determines who gets access to platforms and gets to speak the truth on them. We have a command economy run by a few elites in a Federal Reserve. They just have the CCP. We have a, a, a military that is openly purging um, anti-statist dissent and while, while actually court-martialing people who are anti-communist. And our education system is more of an indoctrination system. That seems pretty... It kind of feels to me like this This is kind of becoming, at least for one side of America's culture war, China with gun ownership. Is that too radical? How, how's our singing voice, Steve? <laughs> so uh, on a cultural level, how much different? Now, now, is our America dramatically different culturally with China? Yeah. Is, is California that culturally different from Beijing? Is it? Is Oregon? Is Washington State that different? New York, Massachusetts, Delaware. Are they that different? How about blue areas? Like even in a red state, like is Broward County, Florida? Other than you can be more sexually flamboyant there than you can be in China. They're still kind of prudish about that. But um, I guess even totalitarians have their moral limits. But other than that, you know, other than you're not having a pride parade in Beijing and you're having them weekly in Broward County, is my, is Broward and Miami-Dade County that much different than Beijing? Really? Culturally, is it that much different? Is it? Do you think it is? No, I know where you... Hey, man. You've taken us to dark places, but yeah. rightly so. This is so then, so then, same thing applies. The, the main argument we're having with the Shycoms right now because we're not having the argument people like us and people like you watching and listening want to have with them. The main argument we're having with them is really economic superiority, right? Let's go back to early 20th century differences between the Germans and the United States. Let's say the Kaisers win and they want to now extend their economic superiority. Are we on a cultural systemic level? Is the way that, that post-Bismarck Germany lived so different that it could not be compatible with the the growing American manifest destiny of the early 20th century. That those two things could not peacefully coexist. Of course not. Of course not. So then their only real economic, their only real argument would be what? Economic superiority. I don't believe that would plunge the world into anything close to what we saw in World War II. What the Nazis represented was a way of life that was not reconcilable with the rest of the world. That's why they had to conquer it. You see where I'm getting at? Oh, yeah, I do. So I, don't, I just don't know what benefit we got out of winning World War I whatsoever in the long run. None. So I would put that, that's a long-winded answer, but forgive me. It's something I've, I've actually wanted to discuss on the show for the last few years. Just know there was never a moment where I thought, oh, yeah, I want to talk about that. That didn't interrupt all of the other ongoing oh. current rock that we have to confront. But this question brought it to mind. And so I just thought I would bring it up now. What's part, I was fascinated and you had me in rapt attention because it's part of a larger discussion, not only World War One, ultimately fighting communism, going to Vietnam. Ultimately, it's about preserving liberty across the world, right? Mm -hmm. How well has that ultimately worked out? Not even in our own backyard. So what exactly. did we mean by liberty? Exactly. That's I mean, the point and, you're and, making. And, and the guy that was the president, by the way, that, that was his, is the one that we all view now in hindsight 
as one of the worst presidents in American history who ushered in the leftist progressive era, Woodrow Wilson, right? Yes. So what if we had just said instead, like what if Coolidge was president instead 10 years earlier and just said to Europe, tell you what, man, you Habsburgs, you guys figure out this little incestual thing you have going on with your families, get it figured out. And when you're all done, whoever comes out of this gets most favored nation status is our number one trading partner in the world and have a nice life. We're going to continue building assembly lines and automobiles. What if we had done that instead? Now, this is related to your Donald Trump uh, versus uh, Middle East doctrine. You said, yes, like, yes. You do your thing. Yes. Take care of it. Just leave us alone. If and you look, don't leave that's us- a great point. Look how that worked yeah. with a culture we have almost nothing in common with. Right. How would that have worked differently if we'd done that with these European countries whose cultures we have almost everything in common with? Yes. If we just would have said, you know what, man, you krauts and frogs, you get, we don't care. Uh, we, we just, we don't care. What, between, we, this ain't even Hatfields and McCoys, man. This is the Brady Bunch. This is, this is Peter and Jan fighting each other in the same damn family. You guys yeah. figure this thing out. Whoever comes out number one, yeah. you're our new number one trading partner in the world, and we're going to own this son of a gun. How you like them apples? What if we just done that instead? I don't know. Just a thought. Next question. Next up, we've got Emmy McLeish. Quote, certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. End quote. Where in the Bible does it state that we have a quote-unquote right to liberty and a quote-unquote right to pursue happiness? All right. So where in the Bible does it explicitly state you have a right to own a gun? It doesn't. You know why it doesn't explicitly state you have a right to own a gun? Pretty obvious reason. Can you guys come up with a reason why it doesn't did say that? Did they have guns back they, they then? Did, they didn't have guns. Yeah. Is it stated that you have a right to self-defense? Or is it at least heavily implied in several areas? Yep. That we could specifically cite? Yes, it is. Okay. So, you have to understand that the Declaration of Independence isn't a biblical hermeneutic. They didn't just explicitly look into the Bible and then immediately translate that into a governing document. Instead, what they looked at is they looked for broad themes and signs throughout both the Bible, but also um, human history and how God and his creation have interacted with one another. And they looked for what they described as, quote, self-evident truths. And those self-evident truths included that when people have a right to own property, for example, God creates a direct theocracy in Israel. The very first thing he provides is private property. Every clan, every, every one of the 12 tribes were all given their own private property. They were given boundary stones that could not be moved. Like that was one of the worst things you could do is disrupt those boundary stones. Those things were to be passed on privately to families, to tribes for generations. It also served as a social welfare system. So private property is one of the very first things that in a direct theocracy that God himself, see, all governments are a theocracy. It's just a matter of who we are saying Theo is. 
Israel was a direct theocracy, meaning God himself was their king. God himself, he didn't even appoint people. He himself gave them their laws. Handed them personally to Moses on Mount Sinai. One of the very first institutions established in his direct theocracy was private property. So the founding fathers, all of them biblically astute, even if they necessarily weren't all biblically orthodox in their own lives or beliefs, kind of looked at the fact, wow, so one of the first things God provides in a government that he establishes is private property. The idea that, that a man, that a family has a right to own the land to work the land, to reap a reward from that work. A purpose derived from and with that property. They put that at a pretty high esteem as a Mm self-evident truth that, you know what, that, that matters quite a bit, okay? The pursuit of happiness was meant as a euphemism for several other rights. One of them was originally, in the, some of the original wording of the Declaration, it actually says property. They then go back and address this again in the Fifth Amendment when it says no person shall be denied life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So that's really what the pursuit of happiness, it's kind of a catch-all for several others. But one of them it's a catch-all or euphemism for is the acquisition of private property. The maintaining of private property. The sanctity of private property. So, I mean, I could do an entire like show on this because it's a great question. Um, I, when I asked the first question about gun ownership, I didn't mean it to be snotty. I just asked this question to, to get everybody's attention right away. That there is something that you can draw hermeneutical or exegetical direct conclusions from. Meaning the Bible speaks specifically about a topic and I hermeneutically or exegetically, or that's those are fancy theological terms for, I believe or interpret truth based on the fact that the Bible directly speaks to blank. Homosexuality is a sin. It directly speaks to that, right? Blank. Killing innocent people is a sin for no cause, right? Mm-hmm. So there are certain things it explicitly speaks to. But then there are things that it epistemologically speaks to. Meaning these are things that I can glean knowledge from based off of the the intent and the action taken as a result of a piece of information or a fact. Or as our founders put it, self-evident truths. And so the pursuit of property as I just laid out and where that notion came from. And then of course those things are later discussed throughout history and historical observations through people like Bastiat and Locke and Hobbes. Those people also had a tremendous amount of influence on the founder. Montesquieu, all those people did. But that's just one example that answers that question. Does that answer that sufficiently, do you think? No, but like you said, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Yes, because I I could do an entire, whole books have been written on this. Okay, but I mean sufficiently for the time that we have in the form that we're in. Okay, all right. Great question, though. Next up is a double question from two different individuals. Donald Perry III says, How will coaches and players from the NFL who aren't getting the jab going to change the narrative of the NFL and other pro sports if top athletes start to retire because of it? And how will that in turn affect the left narrative? Chris Pullmanteer says, What if the vaccinated NFL team infects the unvaccinated team, but the unvaccinated team is the one forced to forfeit? I think these are both excellent questions. And and you've got you've got two man bites dog 
aspects to this or tail wagging the dog aspects to this. One is, you know, be very careful. You know, we warned last year all the encouragement of the, to make the, the athletes to speak their mind and use their platforms and and be political. Like I didn't I'm, I'm not silly enough to think that a majority of pro athletes agree with me. But I know some of them do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. Are, are you sure you want that? Like I'm leaving the gym this morning on one of the TVs is first ESPN's first take debate show. And the crawler that they're debating is, could, is does vaccination policy threaten cohesion in NFL locker rooms? Your damn skippy it does. You bet it does. You bet it does. On both sides. And so we warned you guys over there in woke sports last year. Are you really sure? You really think there aren't any Cole Beasleys at all? There's no Dak Prescotts? None? I think you're going to find there's... Maybe not as many of them as we would like, but probably more of them than you would prefer. Fair? Yeah. And so that's coming home to roost as we speak right now. So be very, you know, see that it's a double-edged sword. Are you sure you want to give, do we want to give people a platform when they're going to say the things we agree with? It's been funny to watch Jamel Hill going after people like DeAndre Hopkins and others. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, who openly talks about the fact that he's glad President Trump is gone because he was a racist. Now saying I may retire from the NFL over these forced injections, you know, because it's just only single celled white redneck uh, 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 Trump fans that are that are that aren't getting vaccinated in America right now. Right. Are you really sure you wanted to open the door by all means? Then everybody use your platforms and speak your mind politically. Okay, because even if it's only one third or one fourth. Or 40 percent of these athletes that that would break the statist narrative. In the bubbles that all these sports media people live in, that's a hell of a lot more than they typically roll with, correct? Mm-hmm. So that's one aspect of this. The other aspect of this is the John Rom factor. So John Rom is has been has now has now lost two events because of a positive COVID test when he was already vaccinated. Two. Now it's the Olympics. This is the second time he has tested positive. One of the world's best golfers just won the U.S. Open. This is the second time now he has tested positive after being vaccinated twice. The NFL dealt with legions of false positives last year using a lot of these uh, antigen tests that are now being recalled for rapid testing. But that was all to be excused and, and we didn't know what we were dealing with and we're operating in real time and I think people had a lot of accommodation, right? Mm-hmm. This is going to be different now. I think that they are on much more of a, of, they're stepping on a lot more rakes and landmines, I think, than they ever thought they could contemplate could happen trying to play last year. Because of the amount of breakthrough cases, because of the lost efficacy, because we've already got Pfizer already pushing the, the government to permit and authorize a third booster or a third shot, so a second booster. These things are now going to play out in real time in the middle of the year. To take very defined positions on these things. There's far more built-in skepticism about these vaccines than there ever was about lockdowns and masks. We had to really push people to get there for all of last year, right? Yes. There's a far more and far more diverse pushback on this. 
Look at look, there's a lot of sports writers right now writing pieces that say I don't not I don't feel safe to go around America or saying this on their podcasts. I don't feel safe to go around uh, to go to Alabama and cover a game when only 33% of the people are vaccinated, but they're over in Japan right now covering yeah. the Olympics where only 23% of the people are vaccinated. It ain't just roll tighter not getting vaccinated. Japanese aren't one of the most technologically astute advanced societies in America. The Germans, we've, we were told all last year, they were like the model for COVID stand policy. They have the same vaccination rate we do. Only 52% of Californians are vaccinated. And that's like the capital of Wokistan, COVID stand, spirit of the age stand. There's a lot more built-in pushback to this than there ever was lockdowns and masks. We had to get people to that critical mass. The critical mass on the vaccine stuff is already here. You bet this threatens to rip apart a team's season. You bet it does. Absolutely it does. And I think that now you're looking at the NFL. Let's, hey, Deshaun Watson comes back to camp. I don't know if he's guilty or not of two dozen sexual assault lawsuits, but no criminal charges. But now you're sending the message that your COVID policy is stricter than your sexual assault policy. I, I think the NFL is juggling hand grenades on this one. Yes, it's going to be fun to or, or frightening to watch this one play out. So if you're tired of your receding hairline and that bald spot being the first thing that you see every day when you look in the mirror, it's time. Time for you to get a hold of our friends over at Keeps, which has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. Hundreds of thousands of guys trusting Keeps for their hair loss prevention because they offer the doctor-recommended, FDA-approved hair loss treatments. And because they're the generic versions, you pay about half the cost that you pay at other places. But you also do this with great convenience. Everything's done online. You just answer a few easy questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed doctor reviews your info, recommends the right hair loss treatment for you, and it's shipped directly to your door. And should you have any questions along the way, you can message our friends over at Keeps. They've got a doctor waiting 24-7. They'll track your progress uh, as well with Keeps tracking tool. So let's get you started with a special discount, all right? Go, don't put it off any longer. Go to Keeps.com, K-E-E-P-S, K-E-E-P-S, Keeps.com slash grow and get 50% off your first order of hair loss treatments. That's Keeps.com slash grow. Again, that is Keeps.com slash grow all right let's get back to our monday town hall facebook ask me anything aaron this next one is from matt hamilton i keep hearing conservative platforms talk about the great big 2022 backlash where republicans will take back the house and senate what if the 2022 or 2020 election shenanigans was just the test run in the 2022 midterm is where it's all scaled up to sweep it in favor of the establishment why wouldn't this be a possibility? I have no idea why it wouldn't be. I don't know. All I can offer you is their their stated reasoning. The, the official explanation for the shenanigans of 2020 is that Trump was just that uniquely polarizing. Well, he's not on the ballot in 2022, so they'll have to come up with a different excuse, okay? But um, I, I can't disagree with any of that. I don't have, I have, I have nothing to offer any of you 
with your election skepticism. I don't. I have no solace to offer you. I have none. And, and that's, that's, that's frankly not my job. That's the Republican Party's job. I have none. Okay. And when you've got one of the president's former attorneys, Jenna Ellis, specifically calling out the current chairwoman of the Republican Party, Republican Party daily, uh, Rona McDaniel, and calling her a liar, flat out, by name, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't have an answer for you. That's the Republican Party's job. I get this question all the time. Anytime we talk about elections, I get a question like this, and I don't know what yeah. to tell you. Steve just went Obi-Wan on you. Moss Eisley Spaceport. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. You must be cautious. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Just know if you got to do business there, no going in with what with, with the deal with the dealio is, right? Don't go in there naive. Yeah. I hear you. Next up, John Mara says, since our society has not merely become post-Christian but ever increasingly anti-Christian, what do you think of intentional Christian communities and under what circumstances would you ever consider joining one? I would probably, well, first of all, you need to know, by nature, I'm not a joiner. That's not because joining or being a non-joiner is one is better than the other. It's just... I moved so often and everything when I was a kid, I got comfortable in instability, all right? So in general, my threshold for joining something is probably higher than somebody else's. I'm also the kind of person you may not want to join because I'm a contrarian. And so I will ask questions. Sometimes I will just ask, not even because I disagree with the prevailing tide, or what the, what the consensus view is. I just want to make sure we're not smelling our own farts. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just ask stuff just to make sure we're still critically thinking here and not believing our own feces doesn't stink. So I tend to be the kind of person you're leery of having me in your movement regardless. Because I'm like never the, you know, all for one, one for all, esprit de corps guy. I'm always the guy that's kind of like, yeah, one more question. Just, yeah, just, just to make sure. That's just how I'm wired. So it's the old Mark Twain line. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, or to paraphrase an old Mark Twain line, I'd, I don't know that I'd ever consider joining a movement that would actually have me. Okay. You know, so uh, asking me what it would take for me to do something like this is a little bit different than maybe asking somebody else. Um, and then would they want me? Right. So we do have examples in history of specific Christian communities. Here's the thing, too. Like, I think of the example of the the Puritans, I think it was in Holland, and how they still ended up evangelizing the country, even though they they didn't really set out to do so. Uh, they were just looking at having a, a safe space to live out their faith and being the good five-point Calvinists they were. They weren't necessarily door-knocking with people. You know, if you die today, would you know where you went? I mean, they they didn't ask. You know, and just a funny thing happened on the way to them not doing that sort of more um, um, pesky or interpersonal evangelizing. They ended up doing very effective evangelization because people saw their marriages were better, their crops were better, their kids were better, their homes were better. And they were like, I want to give me a cut of that action. Right. Okay. So I would want to know. What's the stated mission and purpose 
whose job it is to enforce that stated mission and purpose? I'd really want to know the answer to that one. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is, in my experience, it has been easier for me on a professional level to work often with greedy pagans who just want a certain, they want to know, can I produce a certain ratings point? Like, I was never threatened by Bain Capital, Romney's company, when they bought Clear Channel when I worked here locally. They treated me great because I got great ratings. That's all I cared about. The rent was paid. Sometimes you get into uniquely Christian relationships and it's about, you know, is my, is my pet theology being petted? So um, I'm just in general uneasy with the idea. I love the idea, though, of creating a specifically Christian counterculture. When I look at entities, and I think you belonged to this years ago before you came to work for me, like MediShare. Is that yes. Some, yes. Okay. Well, something, yeah. Was something akin to that? I can't remember what it was called, but yes. See, that I love. When we create our own rival economies of scale, where we create our own infrastructure, our own cultural supply line and supply chain. Um, I love those ideas, but you know, I'm not Amish or Mennonite. So I think when we try to, to, to form like a specific, this is the Christian neighborhood. Uh, I don't know about that. That's you know? one of the great ironies of you being a Calvinist. Cause that's exactly what Calvin. Tried I'm not to do. actually a Calvinist. I'm just a, <laughs> Christian. Todd okay. has been patiently waiting your entire response to drop that. Yes, I know. I'm not taking the bait, but that's all right. Um, having Calvinist affinities. I have some yeah. Calvinist affinities. That's what I meant. I mean, yes. You're or not or a- I would argue that Calvin and I have, have some agreement on what, on what biblical soterology and theology says in certain yes. areas. But this I would, is your I whole point that. about how everybody has their pope because— yeah. You know, pulls away about uh, the individual's rights under God and then ultimately forms his own little mini yes. fiefdom there. And yes. Yes. The third said, don't go start a church in my name and it ended up being the first and largest Protestant denomination. Okay. So, I mean, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'll end it there. Okay. <laughs> Next up, Robert Browen says, did we just lose World War III and didn't even realize we were attacked? I'll tell you this, a, a really good friend of mine, you know what, I'll just say who it is because he didn't tell me I couldn't. I got a text today from uh, Jason Johnson, good friend of mine, former uh, chief strategist for Ted Cruz's presidential campaign. And it's almost exactly what this question is. You guys just didn't know this. But he looks at all the things that Shycoms have done to us in the last few years. And of course, COVID is just the most blatant, but there's several other examples. And he's like, it's like they just won World War III without a shot fired. In fact, that that poll that I put out today that we're going to discuss in the overtime, all right, are we becoming just China basically with gun ownership? I put that poll up after reading these texts I got from JJ earlier today. So who was that that sent that again? Uh, that was Robert Browand. Robert, at the very least, you had the exact same thought today that the former chief strategist for Ted Cruz's presidential campaign had. So you guys, you're either both you're either both cray cray, or you're you're both prescient. But you guys, you're you're at least on his wavelength. You're thinking the same way he is. 
Next up, Lindsay Vancura Zingle says, Why in the last week have conservative talk show hosts changed their tune on the shot? Have they gone from skeptical, or why have they gone from skeptical to get it? I don't know. I don't really follow what a lot of other people say or do. Um, I, I couldn't answer that. I don't even know that your analysis is true. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'll take your observation um, for granted. By the way, I'm not uh, supportive or skeptical. I'm just follow data. If the data showed that these things were perfectly efficacious without without an alarming amount of side effects and natural immunity didn't work, a, a different group of you would love me and hate me. You see what I'm saying? And you and I might be having different conversations yes. about this right now than I'm currently having. So I, I just go with I just I just go with where the, the data is at. That's all. That that's that is that is my driving impetus. What does the data show? Because I I don't just want to tell you the truth as much as I want to tell you the truth. I need to know the truth even more. I grew up a lot in a truth-free or truthless environment, or the truth was what one particular bully said it was. Okay, I I I I have to know. Like I can't function in a truthless environment. I I can't function in a subjective environment. I can't. I'll shut down. I can't do it. That's one of the reasons. This actually ties into the question about Christian communities. What was my first? Like, who's enforcing that? You know what I'm saying? What? what <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, what's the plumb line here? How do we know what the truth is? So, so I agree with four of Calvin's five points, but if I disagree with the fifth, am I your heretic now? And I'm just using that as an example. I'm not even saying that's my position. I'm just throwing that out there since we're on that wavelength at this point. I, I, I just, I, I just want to know what the truth is, really. I really just want that. These guys will tell you, working with me. That's the constant question and reassessment I'm asking myself and us as a team on this show, on and off the air, all the time. As, and almost never it comes down to, will this alienate people or will this grow the show? Maybe we should have those conversations more, frankly, okay? But the reality is, I, I just have a deep-seated desire to know what is true. Like, I, I cannot function in an environment of murkiness. I can't do it. And so, I'm not vaccine skeptical. I'm not COVID vaccine skeptical. I'm not COVID vaccine supportive, I looked at the data. I told my mom, who I saw for dinner sat Friday night, who's 15 years older than me and had has such a weak immune system. She even had H1N1 10 years ago. I told her, looking at data and for what I'm seeing, you should get vaccinated. She did. A woman sent me a note over the weekend, same age as my mom. My husband and I love your show. He's strongly urging me, giving my health, given my health profile, to get the vaccine. What do you think? I just, my answer to her is what I told my own mom with a somewhat similar age or medical history. I just follow data. That's all I follow. I, I don't really care about anything else. I just want to know what the data is. And I, I, I would urge your elderly to get vaccinated based on the data. I've said that all along. Have I not said that all along? Yeah. Yep. I also just said, as I said an hour ago, no way looking at this risk ratio, you're injecting that crap in my kids. How could I, why, how could I take both those positions? Because I'm not dogmatic about this. I'm dogmatic about 
data. Now, if you want to make me dogmatic, keep lying to me. That'll do it. Okay. Well, they plan on lying. Yeah. To okay. You, then so. they will make. Then they'll turn me into one. You'll get there in reaction. But keep lying to me, and you'll make me dogmatic. Because now I know that that, that I can't even follow the data now, because everything's a lie. But, but I will tell you, and you probably saw this process with me play itself out in the Trump era before the COVID thing even emerged. I had to see Robert Mueller deconstructed before my very eyes, before I just wrote off a guy with his resume. I had to see them, I had to see Julie Swetnick and Christy Blasey Ford's testimonies before I just ran to the defense of Brett Kavanaugh, who I didn't want to defend anyway because I knew he'd be a crap judge, and he is. I woke up the other day and I wondered to myself, do I owe Alex Jones some level of an apology? And I, I mean, that was like a, a thought that I had to myself because I'm constantly assessing inwardly in my own conscience all the time what is true. I wasn't going to get this radicalized informationally until circumstances made it blatantly clear to me that that's where this was at. So I, I will only get dogmatic when you lie to me. If you lie to me, then the dogma will live loud within me if you lie to me. If you don't, I'll just follow the data no matter how much it frustrates people around me. I just want to know what the data says. Is that, you guys tell the audience, is, is that an accurate description of my personality when it comes to doing this for a living? Completely. Completely. Which is why, actually, you let Aaron and I, when we speak up, passionately and aggressively you trust us enough in our relationships you stop and you listen yeah because you're like they believe this is true mm -hmm. i trust them i want to see where that goes in my own mind yeah right. and that's ultimately i mean that's ultimately what we're trying to do what's what's becoming we have had the luxury only have a few seconds left we have had the luxury with this emergency over the last year and a half of having data. Guys, I'm telling you, the next time they have an excuse, do, oh, you, really to lock think, that down. do yeah. you really think that they're going to provide the data? Then at that point, there will maybe be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm -hmm. But in that situation, in that situation, if this, if this whole scenario has not proven in that situation, in that upcoming scenario, don't believe a single syllable, one jot or tittle of what they say. Because obviously, if they're trying to lock down the data, they know they know what they're saying is a lie. And that's when they'll turn me dogmatic. And they'll turn me into basically an ideological John Brown. That, that's what they'll do. We're going to stick around, record overtime. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.